0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we've got Angular performance anti-patterns. So it should be a good one. Let's get into it. Say hi to our panelists, and then we'll say hi to our guests. Joining us today, we've got Austin McDaniel. Austin, what's going on?
1: What's up? I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. My little niece got me sick. Um, So if I'm like a little... You know, quiet today, quieter than normal, we'll say, and not as sassy. <laughs> that's well, why. You
2: had, you had strep. Dude. You were like legit sick.
1: Uh, it ended up just being like a,
2: a virus. but. Um, oh, yeah. well, that's good. Well, I hope you're feeling better. I don't think I've ever known you to be sick before. That's never happened in the history of Austin.
0: All right. Well, we, we appreciate you coming on and, and toughing it out. Mike Brocky. what's going on? You're not sick, are you?
3: No, man, I'm feeling good. Ready to get some uh, learn on. Nice. Make things fast. Nice.
0: All right, so our, our guest today uh, is the, we got a ghoulist guest panelist, right? Yeah. Bonnie, what's going on?
2: whole lot of nada. And I have my, uh, by the way, Narwhal shirt on because I'm very excited. Uh, I have actually the Narwhal guys coming on tonight on my show, um, but that's later. So that's, this is my shirt so that I don't forget Um I'm excited about that, but today, okay, so uh, so just a little background here um, because I do a lot of consulting, right? And I and I go around from team to team, and I kind of you know help them untangle things that they've done um, that they're struggling with. I'm like the Mary Poppins of Angular because I just like spend like six weeks with a team and, and kind of help them get untangled, right? Uh, and also, I am talking about performance and, and kind of performance has been um, something that's pretty important to people, and it's easy to to act like if you're learning Angular. Uh, and you're writing Angular at the same time. This is kind of an easy thing to mess up if you're learning, and I know because I did, right? Um, and so this is a very common thing that people need help with. And there are a few things that I could um, that I've learned that are so easy. Uh, and then there are a few other things that are a little bit more advanced that I'm still kind of wrapping my head around. And so, but I'm supposed to be teaching people this like next week, and I'm kind of freaking out. I've had uh, contractors in my house all week. We're doing. We replaced the carpet, which you think sounds really easy, except we still live here and we have so much stuff. It's, it's, so the little project has gone crazy. Anyway, my point is, um, so I need help with my homework. You guys, (laughs) luckily I have like the smartest friends in the planet. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go through my presentation for, um, NGBE next week. And some of it, like I said, is super easy and I already know like inside and out because I've done this before. But then there's some other things that I'm not quite, like I kind of know, but I'm not 100% confident. And that's where my friends come in and you guys can kind of help me. And then after this episode is over, I'll go through and um, put everything that I've learned today and go teach them on NGBE. And when I get to NGBE, they're going to think I'm like wicked smart. And it's because I have smart friends. So, yeah. Okay. So, is that okay? Can we get started? Yeah, let's do it. Let me share my screen inception thing. Where did it go? And I got it. Okay, here we go. Can you see this? Yep. So Angular Performance Anti-patterns. And my name is Bonnie Brennan, an Angular GDE consultant, founder, NG Houston, speaker trainer, and mom, uh, which is the best job. Okay, so step one is measuring performance, right? I think um, every time because I've come in and consulting jobs, and they want to uh, they want to have some improvements in performance. And so the first thing that I would say is the first thing you want to do really is get to where you can measure it, right? We want to see what the performance is doing. Like we want actual data, we want real numbers, right? So there's a couple things. Um, Webpack Bundle Analyzer is something that I've used before, and I'm not going to install it uh, live on the air, but I just wanted to show it to you because basically you're actually gonna get a picture. Is this big enough? Yeah. So you're actually gonna get a picture of your app and it breaks down kind of like this GIF, right? And it's great because if you see something that's like this massive big square and it's taking up a lot and it shouldn't be, this is gonna allow you to find your own code and what's really going on to make that build take forever. Because if you have like a, you know, Eight megabyte um, build file. There, there might be something wrong, and th- this will help you find what's wrong. So I really like that. Uh, have you guys used this before? Webpack Bundle Analyzer.
3: Yes. Uh, yeah, not extensively, but it's a very helpful tool.
2: Yeah. Okay. And the next thing, which I, I just think learned, it looks pretty. Go ahead. What?
3: I said I just think it looks pretty.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Okay, and the next thing I just learned about this like a month ago perfume.js uh, which I met this guy, uh, Leonardo Zezamio, in, uh, in uh, Canada at the GDE Summit, and he's super fun, very Italian, so he made this thing called perfume.js and he taught me about um, the, So the performance metrics really there's a thing called first paint and then first contentful paint and that those are important because the first paint is basically the first time that your user sees anything on the screen other than the white background, and then the first contentful paint is when you actually have your, you know, your page start coming up. Um, so the nice thing about this is it's it takes like two seconds to install, and once you get it on there, it will actually like it. It just gives you this in the console log. Um, it's a tiny little thing that measures your your speed. So what I what I like is to go ahead and put this in. Before I start doing any optimization at all, right? Um, because that shows me, and, and I, I can also go back to the managers and show them data for the amount of improvement that we've done, and you know, so we can all earn our paychecks. So that's one that I really like, um, Perfume.js, and then the other one was Lighthouse, and I put a question mark here because I hadn't really had a chance to check it out. Um, but here's the website, and just actually last night because i like to wait until the last minute right um last night i went ahead and and decided to check this out and see i was going to have one of you guys explain it but um all you do is you go to the audit tab uh, i think i already did this you just go to the audit tab and it tells you is there a way to clear it there we go there we go sorry about that Okay, so you can see what audits you want to do. So I've unchecked everything but performance, right? And then you just click run audits on your own page. Let me do this. Lighthouse is gathering information and generating. So it happens that fast, right? So obviously, this is not a good, um, this is red. It should be green, right? But luckily, this little app that I created was specific i specifically created a very bad app (laughs) so that we could have this on my feelings are not hurt it's okay um but we have this uh what i like about this is the diagnostics like it will actually tell you um some of the things that are going wrong and then you can take that you can kind of take a screenshot of that and then kind of compete against yourself so that once you've gone and, and done all these optimizations you can come back to lighthouse and it will show you again uh how far you've come which i love okay so we have
0: it also has some links and stuff as, as you look at those metrics to lead you to articles and descriptions of how you can solve those things as well which is pretty cool um i think like the image one there's one that reports your image sizes and how you could have more performance out of them and maybe links to some stuff on there so it's, it's pretty cool
2: yeah and i actually this is like for me an undiscovered because i've heard about it before but i just hadn't used it And then yesterday when I opened it up, because I was prepping for you guys today, um, I was like, oh, this is so easy. Like, why am I not using this? Because it's so easy. I don't have to install anything. It's just like, I didn't even install. It's just there, right? Am I right? The Chrome DevTools, you just click on audits and it's it's just been hiding in plain sight this whole time. Okay, so uh, we talked about uh, measuring performance. And now let's talk about uh, understanding build time.
0: Bonnie, I have a question for you real quick on measuring performance. uh, You kind of went over the stuff that was uh, we're talking about payload size and first experience for the app. Um, Do you have anything or does anybody else have any recommendations or anything that's that's available for like uh, runtime performance as a user is using your app, you know, to get kind of that that measurement.
2: Perfume actually does that too. Um, Perfume will do uh, like first input delay time to interactive there's there's more because i didn't scroll down far enough right um they give you the first paint and the first contentful paint and then you it goes more oh see and he's using the fibonacci too all the cool kids use that whole fibonacci thing i love it we're gonna get into that in a minute um but yeah there's a uh where did it go somewhere in there that when you start clicking around it will actually continue to give you those measurements
0: yeah so i'm thinking like if I have a, a list of items or something and it's getting crazy and as a user selecting items or whatnot, I want to kind of see or, or have metrics telling me, Oh, this is running slow. Cause I've got a gazillion products in my view. And how can I, you know, measure those things or thing?
2: Right. Which is, and actually that's exactly what, what we've got over here, which we can get into if we have time. Um, and if we have time, we could actually put perfume.js in there. Um, but it does there, th- you can actually write this whole, you know, dot start dot end. I've, I've written little things like that before where I'm actually doing my own performance management and I'll put something inside of a function that says like, once I click this, then, you know, cause you, it's, you can just measure the, uh, the elapsed time in JavaScript and I've done that. And so there's little things like that. Uh, perfume just does that for you. And, and, and again, this is a tiny little, um, you know, it doesn't take up a whole lot of space. Um, but it's, it's just nice to have the numbers but I don't know if there's another, is there another thing, Justin that we, that we could be using for that, that I don't know about yet.
0: I don't know. This sounds pretty interesting. Do you, uh, do you happen to know, does it do like reporting a printout reporting or anything? Like, I'm wondering if you can tie this into your continuous integration and, and, um, and then tests and things like that.
2: Can we get Leonardo to come on and, and do like a full demo of just perfume? Cause we're like kind of skipping. We're just like, Touching yeah, on it real quickly. Good
0: point. We'll, we'll we'll put that. We'll plan to try and get him on and, and do that. Good idea. Okay,
2: Leonardo, if you're listening, <laughs> get on the calendar and come and show us because there's so much more. And if you get Leonardo to start talking about this, he'll talk, and his accent is amazing. So I would totally vote for that. And his his, his Italian sounds cooler than than if I talk about it.
0: All right. Sounds good. On to okay. Build. So
2: so uh, okay. So let's talk about um, uh, build time. So build time. So we have three things, right? Um, and, and we have the AOT compilation tree shaking and lazy loading. And um, I want you guys to talk about AOT for just a minute. Uh, and and basically, like, it's on a beginner, like, some people don't really know. And, okay, the first thing that I think is really cool about AOT, and you guys stop me if I'm wrong. Um, but at this point, it's it's basically built into the CLI, right? So if you're using the CLI, like you don't have to do anything to take advantage of AOT and it's turned on by default, is that right?
3: Uh, sort of, it's turned on for default for production builds. Uh, if you're just doing ng-serve, uh, well, you can do ng-serve prod. If you're doing uh, production, it will do AOT. Otherwise, um, AOT is typically off is if you just run ng-serve. Right. Yeah, The reason why AOT is
1: off is it's it's typically like optimizations that you want to do um, at production. Um, things that don't, you know, when you're developing, right, like unless you're troubleshooting but, or like performance issues, like you're probably not, it's probably not going to matter to you the difference that AOT is going to make um, and it's going to slow you down a little bit. But I know the team is actively working on improving that experience so that when uh, it's AOT all the time. Uh, I know there's probably times that, like, you build all this cool stuff and you get to production, right? Like you, Travis CI is deploying and it's like, and you open up the site and you're like, why doesn't this work? It's got this really weird error. And that's because, like, you wrote something that AOT couldn't understand. Um, I, I, I actually... Times.
2: I have to I have to like stop presenting for a minute to talk about this because Austin, you you just nailed like exactly what I wanted to say. Because I have actually in real life come across a situation where I've had developers that say to me, if I use the prod flag, then I get errors. So I don't use that. And I'm like, no, you have to fix the errors because if you're using the prod flag and it's throwing a build error, like you can use ng serve and it will build no problem, but if you do ng serve dash dash prod, you get an error. The same error is going to be there. Your user is going to find it later. The only reason why you don't get it with the serve is because you didn't click on the right page, right? So if you're getting an error with your prod flag, it's a real bug and you still have to fix it and just not using the prod flag. That's yeah. So fix it the error. And then use the bug, what?
1: It then not necessarily be a bug, buddy. Uh, what? not necessarily be a bug. AOT is a static code analysis tool that scans your project to make and it makes assumptions using, you know, TypeScript parser. And basically, if it can't, like, trace it, right, like, it's going to, like, fail, and that's why you get those errors. But that might not necessarily mean that it's actually a bug. It means that you wrote something that's dynamic that the uh, code code analysis cannot trace. Um, I actually, like, kind of have a problem with this because... Um, JavaScript is a freaking dynamic language and that's what makes it so cool um, and limiting us uh, to languages like old school languages like Java that do static code analysis and things like that is is actually kind of uh, frustrating So,
2: okay let's get back on track I have a lot more homework that I need your help with
0: But I think the key, real quick, I think the key is, is that as you develop, you're going to want to have this process of turning the AOT flag on or or whatnot so that you're aware of this before you get down the road and ready to ship a feature and just go to prod and boom, it breaks on you. So you want to, if you're not doing it on a regular development cycle, like have it worked into your workflow somewhere that you're running AOT on your builds and checking that in the browser to identify.
1: Usually what I've done is I run AOT on my test
2: right
1: that way and sometimes, you'll
2: find, sometimes you'll find things that only go wrong if you run aot and uh but that's i mean you need to know that right but you sh- you still should be you you should be embracing ahead of time compilation because of the performance advantages what's the point but we got to keep moving uh okay so i'm going to go back to uh screen share and uh the other so remember, we talked about three things uh, ahead of time compilation tree shaking and lazy loading and there's just super super simple I'm going to say about tree shaking and lazy loading you guys. Uh, more modules. <laughs> I know that's not how you. it's supposed to be funny. Um, I have had a lot of people a lot of teams that asked me to help them implement lazy loading and tree shaking and like they have these performance problems, but they've already written like 20,000 lines of code and they have this large complex application. But here's the problem, it's all in one module and you cannot tree shake a component. So rem- so I'm gonna say that again, because I want you guys to remember this, you cannot tree shake a component. You also can't lazy load a component. So your your whole entire app should not be in one module. App.module is your root, but you can make more and you should. It's, I mean, if, you, if you've got multiple pages in your app and you wanna lazy load those pages, it is much easier to start out in the beginning of your development making a module for each uh, feature branch, each feature page, than it is to put them all. Because once you put everything into one module, and then you start to go back later and break it out, you're going to have spaghetti dependencies and all these issues. So try to keep those modules small, right? Anything to add, you guys? Or should we keep, keep moving?
3: Uh, a little bit. Um, so uh, with having more modules, it's not just having more modules. That's that's part of it. That's definitely an aspect of it. But it's a matter of having the right modules. So just because, I mean, you could go through and create a module for each component or a module for each directive, um, which may not be the most ideal scenario for your application. But the idea of feature modules so that you can take advantage of lazy loaded so that the code that you don't need up front doesn't need to get uh sent across the wire it doesn't need to be parsed by the browser and handled uh until it's actually needed or in through some sort of delay mechanism um so right just the, the, be mindful as you say hey you know what one my mo- module doesn't make sense how and where should i break my application into multiple modules
2: right which is the great point right is uh, you you might want to have your whole entire app in one module, but you need to think about that. If you're doing it on purpose, fine, do it, if that's the way you want it. But probably, I would say, generally, if you have you know a, a, a complex application, you probably don't want it all in one module because if you're thinking about tree shaking and you're thinking about lazy loading, you're thinking about these things that the Angular team has done all the work. So it's very easy to use these things if you have more than one module. But if your whole entire app is in one module, you can't you can't pre-shake anything okay let's move on um so we have that was pretty easy um and we're going to go talk about runtime runtime performance and this is where it gets a little bit more complex um and so there are a couple of things that i want uh that i want to talk about and a lot of this stuff i got actually from minko right i love minko uh, and there was uh, what did you guys uh, it was the Minko's ng talk, right? Uh, Minko Jetkev uh, I cannot say I love Minko but I cannot say his last name and that's why I only call him Minko. <laughs> How do you say his last name? Justin? Jechev. Okay, you said that much better than me. Okay so so uh, he has a really great uh, talk uh, from ngconf that I, I watched and I got a lot of these comp- there's a lot of things that I'm that I'm still kind of wrapping my head around right? One of them is this, this Fibonacci thing that all the cool kids are using this. It's like the new poobar, bar. Right. Um, so, uh, and I, I don't want to go too much into this because I know that Fibonacci is, well, Fibonacci is like a, from like Leonardo da Vinci, right. Um, it's like the perfect curve in nature. Um, but in this particular instance, all this is, is just like a, um, a function it's like a placeholder function it's like a it's like a, a testing function right it's just something that goes through a lot of computations so it's just a fake like business logic is that right
3: yes it's meant to uh, it's used because it's it can emulate uh some sort of long-running process uh to artificially inject some sort of performance bottleneck uh, hey we have to do something computationally heavy um, to essentially make the browser slow down artificially.
2: Right. So the Fibonacci, uh, function is just mocking some type of business logic that would, that would have processing time. Correct. And it's pure, but we're not going to talk about that yet. We're going to come back to that because I didn't know what the heck and then the whole pure impure thing I was like kind of struggling with, but it's super easy. And now I understand it. We're going to come back to that. Um, so Fibonacci. Okay. So um we've got um, a number of things that we can do with the runtime performance to improve runtime performance and we have uh, we're about halfway through the show so if we can with the help of my super super smart friends uh what i want to do is take this really bad app that i've written and clean it up a little bit is that okay with you guys that sounds like fun I forget you guys are muted, right? Because I because I know because I'm always muted when I'm a panelist. Okay, so um, what I have here is hey, Alyssa. Start, from, let's,
0: let's say hi to Alyssa. She just
2: joined Alyssa. Up. Hey, I'm sorry. where? where uh, Can
4: you Alyssa. not see me? Can, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, love.
2: <laughs> Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I miss you. I haven't seen you in a few weeks.
4: So tell us more, darling. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs>
2: No, it's okay. So, okay, just to get you caught up, I'm talking about performance at NGBE in like uh, less than two weeks. And I'm kind of freaking out because I have uh, a remodeling done in my house that got kind of crazy. So my friends uh, are helping me with my homework and helping me um, prep for my talk to make sure that I understand all – because I understand the simple stuff, but there's some more advanced stuff that I want to make sure I understand. So we're going through it. And we have actually just gotten to the part that I think is complicated, which is uh, optimizing runtime performance. So you're here for the fun part. Did you catch the Fibonacci method that all the cool kids are using these days? I did. I did catch that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, so I'm going to uh, share my screen again, and Justin's working overtime today to do the uh, present and and unpresent <laughs> over and over again. You're awesome, Justin. Okay, so we have this little app that I wrote, right, and it's just. Oh, and I wanna show you guys, because this I learned from my friend, Austin McDaniel, the faker, um, faker is kind of amazing uh, because I could just fake like, so if I want um, colors, so right now the list is just a color and a product, right? Um, and faker, I gotta go off on one second and talk about faker.js because uh, it's kind of amazing. And I didn't know about this until um, recently when I was working on a project with Austin. But Faker just gives you, it's got, I'm scrolling down to the, to the good stuff. This is all the stuff that you can get. So you just say, Faker, give me um, a color. Faker, give me a product name. Faker, give me this. Faker, give me that. And really, that's all, the, uh, that's all the code that you need. And I love it. It's beautiful. It's very, very, very easy. So thank you once again, Austin, for teaching me something cool. Okay, and let's move on. Uh, okay, so we have, uh, right now we have 10 products. And we have a search bar so let's see all the colors of pizza i don't know go with it okay uh so we have two right and this happened pretty fast see my filter filter down here this happened pretty fast no performance problems however if i come over to my products and i make this fake get fake products and i put in a thousand products you're going to start to see This is the pain that I felt the very first time I ever made an Angular app uh, back in 2013 because in development, it was gorgeous and everybody loved it. And I showed it to my boss and my boss's boss and our clients and everybody loved it. And as soon as I moved it into production, we went from 20 rows of fake data to 5,000 rows of real data And all of a sudden, it took like a minute and a half for my page to load. It was not a good situation. Oh, but it did load. That's exciting. (laughs) It loaded. But I mean, it was they were like, Bonnie, you need to fix this. And I was like, okay. And I literally did not know how to fix it. And this was back in 2013. Like, I didn't have all these super smart NG friends that I have now. So I basically sat in an office for like two weeks with my boss going, when is it going to be done? When is it going to be? And I'm like, every time he leaves, I'm like crying because I don't know how to fix it. Right? It was not a good situation. So just in case I'm not the only one with this problem, this is what I want to talk about. So now we have a thousand products, right? And that's no problem. But look at my little search bar. That's like, it looks so innocent there. So say I want to search for pants again. Look, it, it, like, it took that long even just to show the letters. So this is a very, very bad situation. And look at all these um, computations that it's going through, right? This no bueno. I don't like it. So now, all of a sudden, this is the, this is a very typical, very simplified example of a bad performance issue, right? Uh, luckily, we have the BS Live going, so um, we can, let me close this. So let's start out, uh, what do we do? We have the, let's look at this, we have an input and an unordered list, right? So there are a few things that I learned from Minko, and let's just go through them. Um, Because one of the things that we can do is we can do this, um, where is it? Is the change detection in uh, Angular core change detection strategy? Yes. Change detection, change detection strategy on push, right? Yeah. This is a really super simple thing that we can do, and this was one of the first things that I learned was something. Um, however, uh, I'm not actually implementing this quite correctly. So we're gonna come back to this in a minute and we're gonna talk about that um, that input. Uh, does anybody want to add anything about the on push before we move on? We're gonna come back to this because this is unoptimized on push.
1: You, you can't really just add that uh like just to be clear audience you can't just turn this on and it'd be magically better yes we can
2: <laughs> can we mute austin mcdaniel <laughs> why know, why do you say he negative work. things
1: <laughs> it, it'll be faster by not working <laughs> Yeah. It's
2: yeah i can't even show the hangouts now because i'm because i'm uh yeah okay so austin we're just gonna have to hear you
3: that's okay so one thing to okay be- so
2: tell us why austin
3: I'll, I'll let Austin go. Oh, I, you you were really wanting to, rock. <laughs> <laughs> so what change detection strategy on push says is as change detection runs, it basically says, hey, don't worry about checking this component or any of its children unless the inputs change. Um, so we
2: don't have any inputs here. Correct. So, so that's so, not doing me any good at all
3: at this point no
2: well that's stupid
3: (laughs) and and i think that's what austin was hinting at (laughs) because Um,
2: i'm not implementing it properly
3: uh correct so here you're basically implementing at the root of your application tree uh what you'd want to do is break this up into having some child components uh being separating the input from the list so that you could push the products into the list and say hey only update that once the values have changed
2: okay so here we have a list and what i want to do so what mike's saying is this big enough you guys yeah so because because it's not really doing many good so what i need to do is i need to get rid of this right and i want to put that um because i don't even need this here it's not doing anything for, whoa hey See what happens when you live code, ah, stop. Okay, I can't drag apparently, it's too complicated. Okay, I don't even want that here. What I want is to have my, um, I want it in the products list. So what I really want is to put that, I wanna split that product's input out into a separate, right? Because we don't want it to re, Process this whole entire app every time something happens up here because it's going through the whole entire list and that's where we're getting all those awful Filter filter console logs. Oh look now. It's completely broken. That's awesome Right So then what we need to do is products is going to be here. Can we do that? Um, App products because we're gonna bring that in from the parent
3: Yes, and then you want to get into the idea also of having a smart component versus a dumb component. So the idea of managing that search text should probably be done at the products component level and not necessarily specifying that into the products list. Just letting the products list component be single purpose of, hey, I get a list of things um, from somewhere else and all I need to do is present them.
2: Okay, so uh, uh, we're just going to do, uh, I know I'm, I should be typing here, but I'm not typing. So what you're saying is, I don't want to do any business logic here. I don't even want to know what the search text is. Forget it. Right?
3: Uh, correct.
2: In the products list component, it should just show products. It shouldn't even care what the search text is. It should not be dealing with that. Is that what you're saying?
3: Yes, yeah, so that's what I would do as of right now.
2: Okay, so now we have, (laughs) it's stressful to do this live because I'm like always thinking there's gonna be some simple thing. So now we've separated the, the products input in the products list into two separate components. And now what we wanna do is actually in the products list, hold on, let's look at that filter again. where's the filter oh it's not even working at all because
3: it's not like that
2: and i need to put that back in the parent or can i do can i do it like this
3: yes because that could should get applied before it gets passed into
2: the child component. Okay, I'm doing, I'm learning something new. Live, this is stressful. Oh, because it's not even getting- Let's go ahead
1: and make it an an observable too, and let's do some switch mapping.
2: You know what? No, we're supposed to keep this simple. Okay, so products, so so why don't we do this? Because- um, Bonnie. What?
3: Real quick. So you put that back to how you had it, using your filter. Oh, like that. Yes. So what you're doing is you're trying, you're applying your filter on something called search text, but you haven't defined what search text is. So up above. Yeah. um, So if you go into the, no, no, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Uh, Go into the component code. The parent? Yes. And you're handling the event on filter products when that event comes in, but what you're going to yeah. need to do is set that to this dot search text, and define that property. And then search text needs to be a property on the component. Is that easy? And then online, oh, go ahead.
0: Line sixteen, you want to do event dot target value I think you're gonna want to get the unless you're passing it through I can't remember is that the value right there
2: already? I think
0: we did that. We we got that. Value. Okay.
2: We did that before we went live on the air just to make sure we could get it working. Okay, now the filter filter is crazy again. So I thought this was gonna fix it you guys. It's still whacked. This is wrong. It's still slow. Okay, but now Okay, hold on. Don't tell me because I got this. Now, one of the things that we can do here, because this is where we actually wanted to implement that change detection strategy, in the list. I can spell strategy, right? That will help. So that's one of the things that we can do. (laughs) And here it actually would. So we, and I wanna keep this as simple as possible because we don't need any of that um, extra stuff, right? Um, Okay, so now we have the products list is just showing the products and that's super easy and that's good. Why is it still taking so long? Okay, so let's go back to, uh, do you think we should go ahead and talk about immutable JS? And I think we have some uh, we have some dissension in the ranks about immutable uh, JS. <laughs> Let's discuss. Should we use this? Should we not use this?
4: Dissension meaning there's a dissension meaning here. <laughs>
2: I don't know about. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, 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 I was going to let Austin re chime in. Um, so immutability here
2: Austin tell us, tell is,
1: us why. yeah wait Austin is Austin in
2: favor of or against immutable.js
1: what do you think Bonnie do you think I like it or not
2: I don't know <laughs> I have to figure it out so that I can figure out whether or not I like it um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's okay I think it's one of those things that it's it's kind of like change detection on push because it actually can really come in handy but you shouldn't just go around willy-nilly using it everywhere. You need to understand what it means, which is why I need you guys, because I'm not, exa- like, it's just one of the, like, I don't know what immutable. Hold on, I have notes here from Minko's talk. Um, immutable JS helps new reference on change. W- so we do not want to copy the entire data structure. If we have a thousand products in our list, we and one thing changes, we do not want to, because, Basically, we're going to sit there, like imagine a little kid with Legos, right? We're going to look at each one and see if it matches and then look at the next one and then look at the next one. And we're going to compare each item in the list to see for any changes, right? So basically, my understanding is Immutable.js will handle that for us. And it's just going give to give us a new list and we don't have to worry about the computations. Have I explained that right?
0: Yeah, I think from the, like the higher level concept is that Angular is going to do these things, working with this dynamic data, and it's doing these things to try and identify when does it need to render what on our screen as that data changes, right? And it's trying to do a lot of that stuff for us, but what can happen with these larger amounts of data is that we can get in a situation where um, it's just going to keep tracking and changing and looking at these things and make decisions And we kind of know that, like, we can control that a bit. We want to kind of control that to say, "Hey, Angular, like, calm down with change (laughs) detections a little bit." And uh, you know, uh, we want to get more performance out of you. And so, what we're talking about here is really how can we identify these scenarios that come up, and then how can we get control in on our hands and take that, you know, and say, "Look." This data that I'm handing you, it's going to change, but these parts are the only parts that are going to change, or this is the only thing that you've got to be concerned about. You don't have to be concerned about all this other stuff, right? So then Angular can go and go, oh, cool. I don't need to worry about updating this part of this view and running this logic because that's the same sort of thing. And the immutable part comes into play and in saying, like, okay, is this data, you know, are we changing that data or not, and, and kind of control that more.
2: I love that. Sometimes we get really great quotes out of this show and uh, Angular needs to like calm down a little bit with the change detection is maybe one of my favorite, Uh, but we don't actually want Angular to calm down because the change detection is amazing and we love it, which is one of the reasons it's so powerful. But one of the examples that I always give uh, when I'm doing training, um, especially for people who are just starting out with Angular, um, and I speak from experience, right? When I talk about y'all, I'm talking about us because I did it too. When I first started learning Angular, I got so excited with the ng this and ng that and ng show ng hide ng if like I was like ng all the things because it was I was having so much fun right and so the way I try to explain it is that you need to think of angular like a sports car and y'all are treating angular like a pickup truck right and it, it and angular should be very lean and fast and it's like the same thing with ngrx right you don't necessarily want change detection on every single thing so you need to understand this stuff so that you can use it like a sports car and get really the best performance. So that's so so change detection is good, but so immutable JS basically can really help you. It's very very easy to implement, and I implemented it uh, really quickly, um, and uh, it, it's great. But it's not always appropriate. So Austin, oh. For, oh, no, actually I'm going to ask Brocky this time because Brocky, you were here and you were actually early, and you were helping me with my homework before Austin got here, so you're more familiar with a little tiny demo app. Is it appropriate in this situation?
3: So I I want to take a step back uh, from the idea of immutable JS. Immutability and working with immutable data is a good idea. It's basically not having to worry about the inerts because you're always getting a new instance of an object immutable.js is the is a tool to help you work in an immutable manner. So if you understand immutability and how to work in that fashion, then you may not necessarily need a library like immutable.js. But if that's something that um, you or people on your team are struggling with, that's when you would consider bringing in an additional tool like an immutable.js to help ensure that everything's being done in an immutable way.
2: I'm a little confused about the name because the, the word immutable means unchanging over time or unable to be changed.
3: Yes. So, so when we see... Go
2: ahead. So, so when we see the, the immutable.js library, It's an immutable, it says immutable collections should be treated as values rather than objects. Um, I'm not really sure I understand how that definition of that word works with that library.
3: So some functions uh, within JavaScript will actually mutate your data. Immutable.js is a set of tools and functions and helpers to allow you to always get a new instance, hence getting immutable data. Um, How about this? How about we explain it like this? Instead of when you're
1: using something like NGRX and you do the dots and the dots and the dots all over the place.
4: you're talking about the spread operator.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm trying to like bring it down a level here. (laughs) When you do the dots Dots. a lot.
2: We just figured out what the spread operator was. Now we've gone back to dots.
1: Immutable (laughs) JS can do the dots faster. And, and with a cleaner API. You're saying they don't use this. I I just explained immutable JS. No,
2: actually, that was actually a really good explanation because here's the thing, right? Every developer likes to do the things that they already know. So sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, I don't necessarily wanna go learn something new because I don't have time to keep learning something new. Every time I turn around, it's like I trip over something new I need to learn. So sometimes if I come across a word that I haven't, that I'm not familiar with, I just kind of avoid it and I just go, I don't wanna use that because I haven't had time to learn it yet. And I do that, right? And so this is why I'm kind of like, hey, we're we're forcing ourselves to learn this. Why? Because it's faster. Because what we really want is for our apps to be faster, which is what this whole thing is about. So if you're having this particular problem where you have this huge collection and anytime you try to manipulate this huge collection, it's slowing down to a crawl, then you need to stop for a minute and go learn about immutable JS. But actually you don't because you just did so
1: (laughs) you don't need to use immutable js either um it is like
2: (laughs) you're killing me austin
1: (laughs) it is like a commitment right like once you start putting your data in immutable js like to get your data out of immutable js you have to use immutable js you can't just use dot notation to get your data out like it is so it's
2: an architectural decision
1: and your whole
2: team should be on board or not on board and it shouldn't be one rogue dev who's just going ahead and using this because it needs to be used consistently or not within the whole project. But if you're having performance problems, this might be a really good thing for you to look at. And if you want to learn more about this, go and watch Minko's uh, NG comp talk about performance because he really goes into more detail about this. But for us, we have more to cover and we need to move on. Okay. So can we talk about, um, okay. There's pure and impure, right? And and this is another thing that I haven't really had a chance to dive into yet, but I was watching Minko's talk the other day and actually this is super, super, super easy, super easy. So easy. And actually we're going to go back and I share my screen again, Justin, and, um, go back to the screen share. I just got, my face just got really big. Ah, okay. Not here. Back to the Fibonacci thing, right? Because this is a very simple, I just, I don't know how relevant this is to performance, but just so that all of us can keep up with the cool kids. Um, pure and impure. The pure means that it has no side effects and it always returns the same result when called with the same args. So what that means is, if your function is maybe updating the database or, you know, updating the state or anything like that, It is not a pure function. A pure function is self-contained. It doesn't change anything outside of itself and it returns the same value. So if you put in, um, you, you pass in an input, you will always get the same response back and it's not changing anything outside of itself. So those two things, no side effects and same result for same arguments means it's a pure function, that's it, right? So Fibonacci is a pure function. Yes? Yes, okay, so nobody argued with me, so I must be right. Okay, so here's the thing. We don't necessarily need to recompute everything every time we add a new entry, right? And if it's a pure function, then maybe what you want to do is move... Let's go over here. We want to move those calculations over to a pipe. Where did we... have I had a pipe in here. Yeah, right, so then if it has... Uh, Mike, help me out here. I have, I have a, I'm, I'm sharing my VS live share with Mike. Um, so if it is a pure, oh no, we don't have to do anything because it's pure is default, right? We would, if we wanted to go here, pure would be false or true, but pure true is the default. So it's going to assume that our, that our pipe is true. If we don't do anything, that's good. Yes. Yes. Okay, so the point with this whole pure thing is, if you've got, um, you know, if you've got a service, or if you've got a component, and you're doing a bunch of calculations, if it's pure, consider moving it to a pipe, because it's going to let Angular go faster. That's not a very good explanation, is it? Y'all got to come off a mute, one of you has to come off a mute.
0: Yeah, so I think it's the concept of like if you have to do some calculations, right, on, on your data and you have a list of data and that calculation has to run on each entry in that data and you might start off with writing a function or method inside of your component class to do that logic. Um, you know, can you then encapsulate that and move that into a pipe that you can then apply in the template syntax inside of your component's template? to leverage that calculation. And then more so if, if that calculation is something that can be pure, and every time it gets the same data, it's going to return the same results, then you can leverage something like that to run. Um, and the tricky thing with pipes is that they're going to they're run on this change detection cycle. So you really have to understand that and be aware and be thinking about when to use pipes and when not, and, and what's actually going on, right? And so if pipes are pure, then you can get that good performance out of it. So for example, you have these products and you have each product has a cost and a tax amount with it. And you want to display the total of the cost and the tax for each product in your list of products in that view. And you write a pipe to do that. Right. You want to think about, like, how is that going to run as that set of data changes?
2: OK, but this brings up a good question, uh, because. What if I want? OK, I had a question then I lost. It's. I get nervous when I'm the presenter, you guys. This brings up a good question. Uh, Hold on. Let me go back to my code. Because maybe I want to have, so because I learned not to put too much in the, in the, um, where is it right here? So if I actually have this here, right? Well, no, now I'm filtering the whole collection. So it's okay. But putting a, putting pipes in the HTML can actually be not good. Would you say what we want to do is try and really, I think this is a good example because we're filtering the whole entire collection. What would be bad is if we went into the products list and filtered it here and we actually are. So what we need to do is take that off.
4: Um, Right. So as you're talking, the code's not showing, but you're saying you want to remove it from the HTML, right?
2: because this is how I started doing it. But then in let product of products, what's happening is then I've got filter, 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 filter all over again, right? So So what I wanna do is I wanna take that off and I wanna filter it when it's coming in. Hey, Bonnie. Yes.
3: Uh, You're not sharing your screen, so we see you talking about code, but we don't
2: see the code. I'm so sorry. Okay, now, okay, so now I have, Where is it? In my list, this is what I was talking about where if I have let product of products and I have this big, huge, long list and I'm filtering here, then it's gonna go filter, 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 like forever, right? But what I actually wanna do is I wanna filter it here when it's coming into that because then I'm gonna only run through it once. But now, uh, let me see what happened to my other Right here, here we go. Does that actually help the performance? Now, if I go for pizza, it's still kind of slow. Okay, so we have pure versus impure. We've covered that. We have the product list component. There's another thing that we could do here. Um we could do some buffering. Right? What about memoization?
4: Can we just clarify, is that a coding word or like did the coding community make that word up? <laughs> what? <laughs> memoization?
2: This, okay. I have to show this to you uh because you are gonna be the only one who appreciates this. How do I stop sharing? <laughs> you you, and Samantha, look at this. Look at this. This is what my daughter has done to me. These are my stupid notes, right? So, <laughs> is this only a girl thing, guys? Is this like, you guys would never be caught? Oh, yeah. Do you guys These do that? My notes. I totally do This is do because that. I spend way too much time with Samantha and I end up with notes like that. Memoization. It is an actual term. I just, I just completely confused my camera. Okay, so if we go... Back here. This was something that Minka was talking about. Remind me later. And it's super easy because all I have to do is go NPMI, memo decorator, right? This is a thing, um, basically memoization, uh, during initial rendering, we recompute the same value multiple times. Oh, I always forget to ng-serve again. So the solution for this is caching the value once it's computed. So once we've got this, uh, once we go into the fake service here, right? Then what we do, we put it here. You guys tell me if I'm doing this wrong. Import memo from memo decorator. Or you guys can tell me if you've never used this before. And then I feel super smart. Yeah, I have not used it.
4: I have read about it, have not used it.
2: (laughs) That's not right. Okay, well, I'm gonna have to go back and learn that a little bit more because I should not be trying new things live on Angular Air. But there's memoization and also, so there's one more thing and Justin, I know we're running out of time, but there's one more thing that's super quick um that i wanted to talk about was just the um input i'm not sure exactly where we should put it uh event emitter, because what we would want to do is put a debounce there right
0: yeah so let's talk just really quick about the memoization concept right and that's the the idea that you're going okay if you've got these pure functions and you know you give it a certain set of arguments and it's always going to return the same value for that set of arguments then you go, look, the first time I call it, I'm going to get the answer that it's going to return, right? That set value. And then if if I recall it 17 more times with the same arguments, it's going to return the same value because it's pure. That's the concept of it. So memoization is like, look, let's run that logic once. And then every time it's subsequently called, we'll just pull the, the answer back because we know it already, right? I should
4: understand why it wouldn't be a default. Like what's bad about it?
0: Well, so it, it it kind of goes on that you, you have this concept right that, that it that you have pure functions that are running that logic. So you need to have no side effects, right? And it's really easy for us to write in side effects into our code, our functions, and that sort of thing, even though we may not be visible to us, right? So it kind of leans on the fact that like, look, that that function needs to be called, Infinity amount of times with the same arguments, it's always going to have the same result. And if so, if it's categorized as pure. Then we know that we could count on it running it once and then spitting out that same value again later. Right.
3: And but to add on to that, the idea of when it may not make sense is if you're call, you may have a pure function that is doing it will return the same results no matter uh, or get for a certain set of arguments. However, if you're calling a function with arguments that are consistently going to be different and you're not going to have any like repeat calls, then there really is no, very little benefit. uh, And I, or yeah, very little benefit if you're not going to be making a call to that function with the same arguments again. And since you're then caching all of those values, then you could have negative performance uh, aspects because you're caching all these results that you're not actually using.
2: Okay, that makes sense. And I think what we want to do is we actually want to put that memo inside, because uh, I'm still, I was doing it while y'all were talking. And I'm still getting an error. Memo decorator. But that's OK. That's OK.
3: I, I think we we're out about later. talking about the concepts. Um, so basically, it's the idea of given a set of inputs, if you're always going to get the same results for any given set of inputs, memoization is the idea of creating some sort of cache of, Arguments to a result so that if you make the same call again, you could it can go directly to the cache rather than doing something that may take a lot of processing to execute.
4: So when she generated the memo decorator, that's just creating something for the caching.
2: The memo decorator is uh, actually a little uh, thing that Minko wrote uh, and it's an npm package. You can so you just do npm i uh, memo decorator. And it's also on GitHub, uh, so you can search for that. And and also, uh, because the reason why I'm kind of clumsy with it is because I just learned about this like a couple days ago, right? This is why I need help with my homework because I'm procrastinating. Um, but he talked about this more in uh, his ng-comp talk and he also did a demo of how it works. And it just looked so amazingly simple to me. I was like, it's like two lines of code and it handles your caching for you. And it was beautiful, uh, it was more beautiful when Minko uh, demoed it because he actually knows how to implement it very quickly, and it was like super, super great. Um, okay, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about was buffering, um, and buffering is basically just like a debounce. Um, if you're not familiar with, because I, I mean, we assume that everybody knows this, right? But not everybody does know everything. So if you're not familiar with debounce, um, RxJS has a debounce pipe, which is beautiful, but you don't want to use the debounce pipe because for the debounce pipe, you need to pass in an observable function, which is more complicated. What you really want is the debounce time because all you pass in is the number of milliseconds you wanna have a delay. So you can put a pipe, like say you have an event emitter on your um, on your input, you just put a debounce time pipe on there of um, 200, 300 milliseconds. And then it will wait until you've stopped typing for 200 milliseconds before it processes, which is beautiful. Very simple, easy to use. It's basically a buffer, but the RxJS debounce time pipe is a beautiful thing. And that's it.
0: Cool, cool.
2: Okay, so before uh, NGBE next week, I have to actually figure out how, well, I only have 20 minutes and this was an hour, so I have more than enough. Um, The jury's still out on immutable JS, um, but I do think it's really good in certain situations, as long as you know how to use it, you shouldn't just go ahead and throw it in there.
4: You it sounds like you work. should definitely teach immutability and talk, like maybe touch on like, oh, and immutable JS exists, and then kind of keep going since it's a 20 minute talk.
2: <laughs> yeah, like it, it is something that you should know is out there uh, and you should go check it out and it might be, but if, if that's if you have like a large collection that you're manipulating. And then also the uh, memo dash decorator, is something that I had just recently heard about. That's uh, Minko's little thing um, that will do your caching for you in like one line of code, and it's super simple. And then we know pure and impure. uh, Alyssa, did pure and impure make sense to you?
4: (laughs) I just tried to unmute myself, and I killed my camera. (laughs) Uh, It did. It did make sense, but I've also... recently kind of like a couple months ago studied these concepts because i was like what the Oh, that's heck are... cheating I know, I know so like these things i've i've but again have only been studying haven't been implementing on the daily so that's why it's right. really nice to see you doing the code well
2: pure and impure is one of those things like i hear the cool kids talking about it but i haven't had a chance to like look at it but then when i was watching minkos i was like okay so pure just means it's not changing anything outside of its own function and it's returning the same value consistently, that's it. Like, that's easy. So now I feel a little smarter than I did before.
4: It sounds easy, but also I feel like, and maybe you guys can correct me on this, it's hard to do sometimes because you don't realize that you're, I don't know, at least for me, I'm like, oh, I thought I was making a pure function. Never mind. Like,
2: I think that, I mean, some because sometimes you don't like it. You're not going to try to make it pure or impure. It's going to be pure if it wants. Like you have to let it have its natural state. Let it be what it wants to be, right? But if you do have business logic in a function that happens to be pure, you could consider moving it to a pipe and let Angular handle some of that magic for you. Which is, I think, the point. I'm going over my notes real quick just to make sure they're so colorful. Um, Okay, so I think that's it for for now did i miss anything you guys
0: i think what we get from the takeaway is the concept that like as we're building these things and working with this data we're kind of like starting to make this cake and all these layers right and we we've got the the feed out of our data and we're doing that and then also we start thinking well we want to display each individual record of that data in a certain way. So we've got this ng form, we're looping through products. Now we want to display, you know, what products are on sale and what products are here and there. And we start doing this template syntax. We start adding in all this logic to display these records. And now we hit these performance scenarios that are, that are running into. So how can we leverage these things that you just talked about to kind of start solving those problems and and still be able to apply this logic to each run and each row and that sort of thing, but not get ourselves in this uh, performance um stickiness right and and these are these things these are these tools and these techniques that we can use to solve those things and i think one of the challenges with that stuff is that these are things that we don't typically they're hard to see right they're hard to identify when we're writing that code they're, they're kind of hard to identify when we're doing development especially when we're talking about oh we we'll just test out like 20 lines of data, right? Um, there, there are things that, that don't surface well, but we want to have these patterns in place that if we start writing in that manner and thinking about that ahead of time, then we're ready to, uh, you know, be performant as, as we go to production.
2: Right. And I think the, for me, the biggest takeaway for this whole thing, um, well, number one, obviously, break your large app out into multiple modules so that you can take advantage of the amazing tree shaking and lazy loading that's already handled for like this is, it's available out of the box. It's so easy to implement, but you cannot implement it unless you have multiple modules. So you really need to be thinking about, you can have as many modules as you want. Um, So that's one thing. And the other thing I think that was the big takeaway for me was if you have a large list of anything that that you're iterating through, especially if you're doing any filtering on that list, break your, you break your search out into a separate component. Because if you have the large list and the search box in the same component, you're not going to be able to take advantage of the super smart change detection on push tools that are available to you. So if you know how to do it in just, just so you're going to, you're going to really harness the power of angular in a good way. And remember angular is a sports car, not a pickup truck. So use it, uh, use it wisely.
0: Awesome, broom.
2: All right, we got any?
0: Picks? Anybody want to do any picks?
2: No, I, I don't have picks, but I do have um I I have replaced this horrible, very old carpet with wood floors, and so I haven't really had time for anything else. So I'm my wood floors are my picks. <laughs> I'm so excited about the wood. Ah. Awesome. All right, well let's uh. <laughs> Austin.
0: <laughs> come on, Austin. You know you want some more wood floors. <laughs> I'm looking for a recommendation. I, I was
4: it. actually looking at Austin's office today. I did not realize there were so many doors like in the shot. There's like three different doors. I'm like, where are they all going? Anyways, that's all.
0: <laughs> all right. You well, that's it. a you wrap. <laughs> hey, okay. Ron, thanks a lot for uh, presenting and, and talking on this topic. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everyone have a good one. And we'll catch you on
2: the next episode. Later.